right. Welcome back to another episode of 2X, the podcast where I share specific actionable insights that will help you grow your business twice as fast. Uh, today's topic is competition. Uh, there is quite a lot to talk about in and around this topic, but I'll try to condense it as much as possible to ensure that you get uh, the tidbits that are really worth noting. So number one is when you think about competition, I like for you to reframe it as what I call existing alternatives. Why so? Because yes, there are direct competitors that exist, exist in today's market, but there may be also a few other things to think about. So number one is alternatives that are not a tangible competitor. So for example, maybe there is no other uh, company that's providing this product service or software as a service that you are providing, but the alternative for the customer or prospect or user is that they do it manually with Excel spreadsheets or that they don't take any action. Whatever that alternative is, you need to be able to address why you are better or more important. Number two uh, is not only the um, alternatives that are non-competitors, but you also want to think about uh, past and future competitors. So what we mean by past and future is uh, it's harder to find past because in some of those instances, these are people that were in your space, maybe providing the exact same product or service. And for whatever reason, they could not continue their business. Maybe it was an internal problem. Maybe it was a motivational problem between the founders, or maybe it was a market problem, in which case you can benefit from learning from what they have learned because maybe their product or service did not work because perhaps there was no demand for it. So, you know, being in a new space might not necessarily be a good thing if there are no competitors. Maybe no one else is doing it because there is simply, number one, no appetite for it. Or number two, maybe there is an appetite for it, but there's no way to properly monetize it. Make sense? So uh, why did they fail? You need to try to understand that. Uh, future competitors, on the other hand, those are potential um, companies or brands that might eventually move into your space. Uh, not to say that they will, because maybe they have very different goals and different values, but you just need to be able to understand who are some of those potentials such that you can address them, uh, especially you know if you're making a presentation or pitch to an investor or a lender, they just want to know how you will be able to maintain com competitiveness or uh, stay differentiated in that market. Uh, and then the third thing is looking at both direct and also indirect competitors. So for example, if you're opening up a, let's say a, a movie theater, a direct competitor is another movie theater, right? An indirect competitor would be, let's say a bowling alley, an arcade. They're all competing for the same entertainment budget that you know a consumer has. Uh, and they, they're very different. It's not a two hour long movie, but it's the same kind of like, what do I do when I have that free time and I want to hang out with friends type of situation. Make sense? So pay attention to some of these uh, different forms of competition, so to speak. Uh, but at the end of the day, don't be inundated by the concept of competition. Competition is not a bad thing. I think there, there's too much emphasis on competition and being different in, in this day and age. Uh, almost every investor is saying, how are you different? To an extent, you want to understand why they want to understand how you're different, but it is not a requirement to be different. And I'll go into some examples in a second. Uh, but the main thing is, 
having competitors, number one, it helps validate the market. So it means that, okay, you're, you're not in, on this uphill curve where you have to educate people, where you have to create demand. Uh, on the flip side, you simply have to fulfill um, this big demand that maybe your other competitors are not able to fulfill. So um, with that in mind, then we can start to think about uh, how do you address competition, right? So number one is when it comes to competition, the first thing you have to realize is that you do not have to be different right out of the gate. You do not have to be different from your competitors on day one. It is okay for you to launch a company, a product or service that is exactly identical to what else is out there in the market. And there are many of these businesses out there that simply thrive, right? There are a lot of realtors, there are a lot of lawyers. And as long as there is demand, you will be able to succeed. Um, so that is the first thing. Number two, you should also realize that whatever your competitors have, you don't necessarily have to also do the same. The status quo isn't to do exactly everything that your competitors are doing. Because by omitting certain features or maybe by focusing on a specific niche or focusing on a specific value proposition, that might actually make you more different. Make sense? So you don't have to have everything that they have right out of the gate. Um, so if you're not different on day one, what is helpful then is to at least have a plan on how you plan on being different, how you will eventually move into offering maybe specific services that no one else is offering, or maybe serving an underserved market, whatever it is. But you need to at least have a rough idea of how you plan on different uh, differentiating. Maybe it's sim simply better customer service. Maybe it's a different form of payment. Who knows? But having that in mind, that will usually help you stand or at least uh, rise above those that are already in the marketplace. Uh, on the differentiate side, on the differentiation aspect, uh, one, one example that immediately comes to mind is um, Hootsuite. So Hootsuite was a social media, it is a social media management dashboard and platform. And when they started back in the days, I think that was like back when the iPhone 3 or 4 was the hot phone in the market, there were about 15 other Twitter dashboards out there in the market. You know, a, a platform where you could post to one account and it will push it out to multiple accounts on your behalf. And they were not different at all when they launched, but they had that plan for differentiation. They knew they wanted to integrate other social media platforms like Facebook, LinkedIn. They knew they wanted to be able to schedule postings in advance. They knew they wanted to be able to, to empower their users with more analytics. And that's absolutely okay. So you don't have to start by being different. As long as you know how you, be, how you will be different, that will eventually lead you to a better place. Um, Another aspect of differentiation that you can also think about is not only doing different things, but it may be doing the same thing in a different way. Uh, and one example, if you're curious to look into it, is uh, Mailbox. So you can search Mailbox, just M-A-I-L-B-O-X on YouTube. And if you can find the, one of the older videos, they, they were eventually a, a company that was acquired. Um, I think they were acquired by Dropbox and a lot of their features that they were interested in launching didn't actually get implemented, but they were basically launching yet another mail client for your phone. There were a lot of existing mailbox clients like Gmail, Yahoo, those kind of things for your phone. But what was interesting is they designed their mailbox client to be mobile first. 
you know, having certain gestures, swiping things to archive your email, uh, you know, swiping it in a different way to uh, set up a reminder, those kind of things. But the idea is you don't have to do different things, but you can do the same things, but just simply in different ways. So at the, at the end of the day, don't be discouraged if you are not your envision on day one. Just see it as this is your current manifestation. You are just out there to build that foundation, build that base, uh, gauge appetite, eventually maybe even build a community. And once you get some of those basics in place, then you can start to move towards what you plan on doing, right? Like if you look at companies like even Amazon, Amazon did not start with online reselling. They started with uh, books, right? Uh, selling books online. And now they carry all kinds of products. Um, so don't, don't worry about being perfect on day one. If you're starting to think about, okay, uh, with all of that said and done, I understand that I don't have to be different. I understand that I don't have to have all of the features, but how do I stay differentiated or how do I figure out uh, you know, what is the right market to tackle or how do I address competition? Uh, here are a few tips. Number one, there's a great book out there called um, The Blue Ocean Strategy. And I think what is very interesting, and I'll kind of try to summarize it as best as I can, is that uh, you want to look at how your competitors currently com compete. And you want to, in evaluating the, the features or the values that they are competing on, more importantly, the values, uh, you're thinking, and their, their framework is these four things. Number one, what can I eliminate? What can I, number two, reduce? Number three, what can I raise? And number four, what can I create? And in doing so, in going through this exercise, you will hopefully be able to surface an uncaptured market that your existing competitors are not going after. So the examples that they give that might hopefully help you understand this a bit better is um, Cirque du Soleil. That, that's one example. So if you look at Cirque du Soleil, the, the, the existing circus market, uh, again, very saturated. There were a lot of uh, circus um, companies out there and they all tended to compete on the same things, right? They all tried to have the best performers, the most exotic animal shows, they profit and, and uh, get a lot of business through concession selling with food, those kind of things. Uh, and they were also focused on like clown shows, fun and humor, uh, thrills and danger, mostly very family oriented. So they were all going after the same kind of market. And Cirque du Soleil said, okay, uh, we will apply the eliminate, reduce, raise, and create framework, or at least maybe this is more an analysis of it in retrospect. But if you look at what Cirque du Soleil did, they actually eliminated the focus on the performers. They eliminated animal performances altogether, right? They don't even do aisle concessions. Uh, instead, what they focus on is um, they, they raise the emphasis on the venue, on having uh, extra, uh, extravagant venues. They created some new elements, elements around music and dance, uh, elements around having teams for their shows. And they kind of reduced the emphasis on fun and humor and trail and danger. And in doing so, what was really interesting with Cirque du Soleil is instead of going after families, they ended up positioning their circus as more of an quote-unquote adult entertainment. And not adult entertainment in the um, sexualized kind, but mostly adult entertainment around like, hey, if you want to go out on a date instead of going to a Broadway show, now I can bring my date to Cirque du Soleil, for example. It's a bit more uh, intellectual. You know, it's 
there's some team, there's some storytelling going on, um, you know, dance moves, choreography, uh, interesting music. And in doing so, they were able to justify a much higher ticket price as well, because they're not going after family goers. They're going after people who are willing to pay more for the the more kind of um, unique experience, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, think about how you can think look look at how your competitors are competing and think about different elements that you can focus on. Another example that they give is uh, yellowtail wine. And the wine industry was a very saturated industry. And again, like all the budget wines were all competing on the same things. The premium wines were all competing on the same things. So for example, budget wines, um, they, they all try to just lower the price as much as possible. Premium wines, they all focus on things like the complexity of the wines, the flavors, the ingredients, the prestige of the vineyard, uh, you know, how it's aged, those kind of things. And they said, okay, we're not going to focus on all of that, all of that. Instead, we are going to create new elements and focus on ease of drinking, ease of selection, kind of bringing back that element of like fun and adventure around wine. So they said, okay, we're not going to cater towards the snobbish wine drinkers that are already drinking wine. We want to look at all the other alcoholic drinkers that don't currently drink wine. Why do they not drink wine, right? How can we convince them to pick up wine? And they said, hey, that's how we are going to create Yellowtail. It's going to really focus on emphasizing um, that the element of making wine drinking fun again, and you don't have to be a snobbish person to enjoy wine. And that's how they broke out in their space. So you can try that exercise. It might or might not help. Uh, other things that I can give as tips and tricks in and around is number one, like I say, eventually, even if you are able to break out into a new space that competitors are not currently addressing, you will eventually get competitors. People will eventually come into your space, mm -hmm. like it or not. And that's actually probably more of a good thing than a bad thing, right? There's no better validation than mimicry. Uh, so here are some tips that will really help you build the foundation that will help you thrive amongst a competitive marketplace, but also continue to stand out and differentiate and also um, protect you from those competitors coming to your space. Number one, uh, instead of worrying about uh, competitors, Focus on building a strong brand. And you can only really do that by executing quickly. So launch quickly. Don't worry too much about people stealing your idea. Build the brand. Emphasize that first. Because ideas and te technologies, yes, they can be replicated. But a reputation or brand, that is much harder to mimic. Because as you see out there, there are a lot of counterfeit bags, clothing, brands, but customers will still pre prefer to buy from an authentic, from, from the real brand because they trust that brand, right? Because there is a certain level of quality that embodies that brand, uh, a certain level of identity that is associated with that brand, right? So you will want to buy an Adidas shoe because maybe you believe in Adidas or you want to buy a Nike shoe because you believe in Nike. You don't want to buy a Nikkei shoe Right, it, it sounds the same, but and maybe it even looks identical, but people still resonate with the brand, the, the real brand, because they see it as something that represents themselves. So focus on brand building and reputation building instead. Number two, uh, consider how you can create or foster a community. And a good community is not a community in and around your brand. A good community is a community that is about a specific cause, right? If you are able to build a community, number one, people feel like they are part of something that's bigger than themselves. 
And number two, when they are engaged and involved in community, they start to form relationships with other community members. And because of that, communities are very sticky. It's hard to get someone to move to another community because they've already formed those bonds and relationships. Uh, so it's hard for your competitor to come in, try to steal your existing community members, poach them or, or put them into their own community, or even harder to sell into your community as well. Uh, number three, uh, think about and consider how you can integrate your products or services into the lifestyle or process um, or even kind of toolkit or sets that your customer or user is using. And what I mean by that is an example would be, you know, let's say if you provide um, payroll solutions. So you help manage people's payrolls for the employees. That is one element. But if you can integrate your payroll with, let's say, your ATS system, which is the applicant tracking system, you can implement it and integrate it with, let's say, um, the scheduling system, uh, the uh, financial and bookkeeping system. The more you integrate, the harder it will be for the, the client or customer to consider a competitive solution because now if they switch, they need to be mindful of all the processes that are broken that do not integrate or are, are not automated anymore. And they have to either fix them, tie them up, or manually do them all over again. So the more you can integrate, the harder it will be for someone to switch away. And another company that does this really, really well is Apple. Right, it's hard to switch away from Apple because once you're in Apple, you have the en entire ecosystem of Apple. It's not just a phone. Uh, it integrates with your com your your MacBook. Uh, it integrates with your Apple ID, with your uh, you know your po podcasts, with your iTunes, everything. So the more you can integrate, the harder it will be for a competitor to move into your space. So yeah, hopefully these are some things that will help you kind of understand how to approach com uh, competition. Uh, the last thing that I can say as an exercise for you to do is go out there and mystery shop your competitors. Go out there and pretend to be a customer and maybe even actually buy their products and services. You will learn a lot in doing so. Uh, and I'll give you a quick, quick example. Uh, I, I worked with an entrepreneur and he was struggling to understand how he could shorten his sales cycle because he had a product that would sell into universities and into um, hospitals. And this product would help the hospitals manage their student interns uh, that are from the university interning at the hospital. And he found that sales cycle was normally about a year long and not uncommon because, you know, universities are very bureaucratic, same with hospitals as well. And he went out and I encouraged him to do the mystery shopping with his competitor. And he actually found out that his competitor sales cycle was only about a month long. And how did they do that? It was because they would actually let people access and use their management platform for free. And then instead of signing formal contracts and agreements upfront, they put all of those into the terms and conditions. And not saying that you should expose yourself to unnecessary risk, but consider how your competitors are currently converting customers because maybe they have a more effective process. Uh, maybe they have found better language or verbiage, a better copy, so to speak. And in doing so, you can probably um, mimic, emulate, not necessarily copy, because you're probably selling to maybe a different audience, or maybe you have uh, you know different features or different values for your product or service. But consider how you can best emulate what they're already doing, what they've proven to work. Make sense? So I hope this has been helpful for you. Uh, tune in again for another episode in the future.